engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. You can take your pick on the numbers. Uh, Confession out of the gate. Uh, I I have inhaled so much pollen this week. uh, I'm going to try not to cough into the microphone. Oh my gosh. Allergies. Uh, Allergies are just fully roaring up as I've inhaled all the tree boogers out there, also known as pollen. Now, We've got a college admissions scandal we need to break down and analyze. Uh, So Felicity Huffman, who is the wife of William H. Macy from Fargo, an accomplished actress in her own right. I think she's in what? um, Desperate Housewives, among other things. She has uh, been arrested. Yes, Desperate Housewives is is her biggest claim to fame. Uh, She's also in a number of movies, uh, Trans America, Magnolia, Path to War, Georgia Rule, but really known for Desperate Housewives. And Lori Laughlin, who is best known uh, for being in Full House. Uh, it's Full House is headed to the big house. They're probably going to get arrested. Well, they, they one of them has gotten arrested. The other was out of the country. Uh, they're going to go to jail. Uh, poor old Aunt Becky uh, going to go to jail for bribing college officials to admit their daughters. Now, what we know about William H. Macy here, he's the interesting one. William H. Macy, uh, you know him from Fargo, among a whole bunch of other uh, famous films. He and Felicity Huffman are caught uh, by undercover federal investigation on uh, phone recordings trying to get their daughter into college through bribing officials at various colleges. Macy has not been indicted because he is uh, they haven't gone after his second daughter's bribery. They were looking at his first daughter was involved with the group with the with the consultant who was arranging the bribes. Uh, Macy, he currently stars as Frank Gallagher in the show Shameless. Uh, but, you know, he's he's started himself in The Simpsons. He's been around in all sorts of films over the years, from Fargo to, to even Marmaduke and The Lincoln Lawyer, things like that. Uh, so famous people were talking about bribing college officials. You know, in the past, you built a building on college campus or you became friends with the president of the university and you were able to get your kid in. Uh, that That's what uh, George H.W. Bush's dad did. Prescott Bush built a building at Yale. Donald Trump's father built a building for the University of Pennsylvania, and Trump was able to get into business school. This is what you did. You, you, you gave universities money publicly, and your kid got to go there because you gave money, and everybody kind of knew your kid wasn't there on their own merit. They were there because dad built a building. Well, now it, it's prestige parenting at play here. Lori Laughlin, the actress, Felicity Huffman, the actress, they wanted their kids to go to college to prestigious university. Now, I, I, we have to stop here because you need to understand that apparently Lori Laughlin from Full House thinks that the University of Southern California is somehow a prestigious university. I kid you not. Now, uh, it also involves, the scandal involves Georgetown, Stanford, UCLA, the University of San Diego. Who the heck is bribing people to go to University of San Diego? Uh, University of Southern California, the University of Texas, Wake Forest, and Yale. 50 people are charged thus far. 33 of them are parents. 
nine were college coaches. Uh, the others were test administrators and, and the consulting firm CEO who ran this. Essentially, what was happening in some cases is college coaches were accepting bribes to list potential students as qualified applicants for soccer, golf, and other sports who were coming to be on the school soccer team or the golf team. Those students would then go to the university and they actually wouldn't be on the golf team or the soccer team. It's just the soccer coach, the golf coach, the, the other athletic coach checked the box and said that's why they were coming. They would get an athletic scholarship, uh, denying other people the ability to get an athletic scholarship. And the coach would pocket the cash. There were other situations, and this apparently is one of the situations uh, with one of the actors or actresses, is they paid someone to take the admissions test and write the admissions essay for their child. So they paid someone to stand in the place of their child and bribed someone to turn the other way and not not pay attention to the fact that it was some old dude sitting in there taking the test instead of their kid. Now, what makes this particularly interesting, in addition to all the other angles, is uh, Lori Laughlin has a daughter, the daughter in question here, who is a YouTuber, which shouldn't amount to much. But in this day and age where people judge themselves and their relevance based on their likes and their clicks and their YouTube followers and whatnot, uh, Lori Laughlin had a, has a daughter. Her name is Olivia Jade. Uh, that's at least her YouTuber name. Her actual name is Olivia Giannulli. Her father is a fashion designer, uh, Massimo Giannulli, married to Lori Laughlin. Uh, so Olivia Giannulli, Olivia Jade, as she goes by on YouTube, actually last August uh, caused controversy when she filmed a YouTube video saying that she really wasn't looking that forward to going to college. She just wanted to go for the parties and the athletics, but that she was going to school and she did not know how much she was actually going to go. This is a direct quote from her YouTube video had 2 million subscribers. I don't know how much school I'm going to attend, but I'm going to go in and talk to my deans and everyone and hope that I can try and balance it all. But I do want the experience of like game days, partying. I don't really care about school, as you guys all know. So her mother bribed someone to get this idiot into college ahead of someone more qualified. And now mom, who's in Canada, couldn't be arrested today. is going to have to fly back and do a perp walk because of getting her daughter. There is some justice in the world. Now, this all involves a guy uh, who ran a test prep company. His name is William Rick Singer. He's the founder of a for-profit college prep business. It's based in Newport Beach, California. And he made $25 million from 2011 through last month, bribing coaches and university administrators to designate children as recruited athletes or through other favored admissions categories. In some cases, uh, Singer's associates created fake athletic profiles in order to improve students' chances. Uh, he would bribe college coaches to allot slots to incoming athlete of incoming athletes to the kids of wealthy parents. Uh, he would have people take tests, all of these things. Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman and William H. Macy, they're accused of paying uh, upwards of $50,000, it appears, in at least one case, to get one of their kids into college. It's absurd. Huffman, I'm sorry, Huffman is accused of paying $15,000 for getting one of her daughters unlimited time for an SAT test. 
She also explored a plan to boost the test scores of a second daughter, according to court filings. She discussed the possibility of having a ringer take the SAT exam for her daughter. She raised concerns about the discrepancies in scores that could result from her daughter taking the SAT test in March, but then allowing someone to take it in her place sometime after. All of this, by the way, was called on on audio. The the feds were recording their phone lines. William H. Macy called on the phone as well. Now, several people have said that um, the reason William H. Macy is not being charged is because they have two daughters, William H. Macy and uh, Felicity Huffman. The first daughter, uh, they paid $15,000 to let her daughter have unlimited time for an SAT test. Essentially, they bribed the proctor of the SAT test through this consulting company. The second daughter, there were issues involved, but they haven't fully investigated that round of bribing. So William H. Macy could still be charged based on the second child. Just phenomenal. So there are a couple points to raise here. First of all, why? I have to tell you what we're seeing is, I think, a friend of mine refers to it as prestige parenting or reputational parenting, that you want your child to earn their elite status. So you buy them uh, their title, so to speak. Like a a rich person used to back in the 60s and 70s, a, a, a rich heiress or a rich heir would marry into a royalty from Europe so that they could be a sir or a lady and they could have some level of royal title. There was a prestige factor there. Well, now, of course, the the meritocracy of the upper elite in this country, there's really no merit. It's, it's based on who you know and who, who you are, but you still have to go through the formality of getting the titles. So this was the parents acquiring the titles for the kid to fit into that strata of society. The other part of this is reputational parenting, that your parents, uh, they want to be proud of you. They want to say your child did something that someone else did not do. And in Felicity Huffman and William H. Macy, Lori Laughlin's case, they wanted their children who, I mean, the, the child of Lori Laughlin, you can tell, is a spoiled brat and singularly unaccomplished except for her parents on, uh, on YouTube. And so they want to be able to say, well, my kid went to USC. My kid's got a college degree. My kid did this. Don't say my child is a a spoiled child of privilege who has no accomplishments. She's got a college degree. They can be proud of their daughter's college degree. It's these parents who want to be proud of their loser spoiled kids. I, I used to work at a law firm for about five, five and a half years, worked for a law firm. And the law firm that I worked with in Middle Georgia in Macon, it represented a number of well-off families. And many of those families had intergenerational wealth. And and one of the partners of the law firm once told me it was highly unusual for a well-to-do family with inherited wealth, intergenerational inherited wealth, to survive beyond the third generation because the kids did not earn it. And so they did not appreciate it. So they did not have the skills or the mentality to want to keep it. And we see this in Hollywood as well. These people have kids now headed into the second and third generation who they've got no skills of their own. They've been pampered all of their lives. The parents need something to be proud of. They don't have a business to pass on to their kids. Their kid can't get an acting role because they're not that great of an actor. So at least you can go out and buy their college degree for them. And in buying their college degree for them, somehow or another, prop it up and be proud of them and say, look, my child has a college degree. They can take care of themselves now, even though they can't. And that's what all of this is about. Reputational parenting and prestige parenting, setting their child up for something else. 
And it's all these rich people who never raised their kids in society to survive on their own. So this is their effort now, guilt weighing down on them as their kids become adults to realize I got to do something for them. Let me get them a college degree. Yes, that's the ticket. And now they're going to jail because of it. Not all of us sleep the same way. 63% of Americans sleep on their sides. I'm one of them. My butterfly pillow gives you support in the places you need it most, keeping neck and spine in alignment throughout the night, even if you switch sides. My Butterfly Pillow, it's patented sleep technology that elevates your head to where you need it. It includes a place to fit your arm and a pillow and a pillow for your ear. It's soft, it's comfortable, you can stay in one position all night. The height of My Butterfly Pillow is adjustable. Do you fall asleep to white noise, meditative sounds? My Butterfly Pillow has Bluetooth adapted night owl speakers so you can listen to music, sounds, or even smart TV. Now, I would like to tell you all about My Butterfly Pillow. My butterfly pillow, they sent me one, and I got to use it one night. And then my kid confiscated it and hasn't given it back. Loves it. Uh, has a, um, a 3.5 millimeter jack. Can plug in an iPad or an iPhone or an iPod and listen to music through the night while they sleep. Surrounding themselves with music. Very comfortable pillow. They love it. They, they're the ones who swear by it. So listeners to The Eric Erickson Show can save $30 off the list price of $129. Use code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout, and you'll get my butterfly pillow for just $99 and free shipping in the continental United States. Go to mybutterflypillow.com and enter code ERIC at checkout. You'll save $30 and get free shipping. That's mybutterflypillow.com. The checkout code is ERIC. It will change the way you sleep. So just one quick additional note on this uh, scandal, and I'm already getting blown up by some for saying this. I, I get there's an interstate component to the crimes, but seriously, this is a college bribery scandal. Why is it a federal crime? Why are U.S. attorneys involved? Yes, yes, you can say interstate commerce is somebody in California using the mail or wires to bribe someone in Connecticut. So just because a, a federal prosecutor can't exert control over it doesn't necessarily mean they, they should. Uh, and what we're having more and more in this country is an over-criminalization of things at the federal level. Now, there are things certainly that should be federal crimes. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean they should be federal crimes. And this was a crime. This is bribing college officials, uh, using your money to bribe college officials, test takers and others, or test givers and others to ensure that your kid can get into a college is actually illegal. It, it's immoral. It is illegal. You are putting your spoiled kid who is unaccomplished ahead of more accomplished, less fortunate kids and doing so by rigging the system in ways that are not legal. But couldn't this have been dealt with at the state level? Yes, I, I get interstate commerce. I, I get all that. I was a lawyer. I understand these things. But I still don't necessarily think that it should be. Uh, what, what we see more and more are U.S. attorneys uh, finding ways to basically make everything federal crimes. And I don't like that. I think we need less federal crime. We we need Remember, up until the 1960s with the assassination of John F. Kennedy, it was not against federal law to assassinate the president of the United States. It was a state crime. That's why uh, Jack Ruby killed, uh, uh, he killed Lee Harvey Oswald uh, in a state facility, not a federal facility. He was arrested under state law. 
It was only after that that they made assassinating the president a federal crime. Uh, we need to have less federal crime. And I'm not saying assassination shouldn't be one, but uh, this bribing college officials through interstate commerce means to prosecute? I don't think so. When we come back, we got to explore the Boeing situation with the 737-8 MAX. This is hilarious. Uh, the New York Post is now noting that uh, Olivia J. Gianelli, Lori Laughlin's daughter, uh, posted sponsored content on Instagram for Amazon Prime, featuring a photo of her in her new dorm room at the University of Southern California with the caption, officially a college student. It's been a few weeks since I moved into my dorm and I absolutely love it. I got everything I needed from Amazon with Prime students and had it all shipped to me in just two days. Uh, so wow. Uh, Lori Laughlin and her husband, they paid $500,000 in exchange for having two daughters designated as recruits to the crew team at the university of Southern California, despite the fact that they didn't participate in crew. And then Olivia Jade gets to college and becomes a social media influencer for Amazon prime cash. There really are two Americas, aren't there? John Edwards was completely right on that. My goodness gracious. To the phones we go, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And from Roswell, you're up next. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. But I, I, I have a question. I, I just want to know what is the, the big hoopla. It's not like this hasn't been going on forever. And how is this different? from uh, people who have the colleges where you have to be, they can only accept so many students and then they have to have room for um, minority students, whether they meet the criteria or not. How, how is this different? And as a woman of color, I, yeah, I think I, it's only if I ask that question. Well, I think it's different because they're bribing people. Uh, they're not, it's universities can have quotas. I think it's wrong, but the Supreme court has said it's fine and they can set aside quotas for, uh, people based on race or based on gender. Uh, but to bribe a university into, for example, in, in the case of this Olivia J girl and her sister paying $500,000 to a crew coach to claim that they were on the crew team, even though they weren't, which denies two people who actually wanted to be on the crew team in the crew team and gets them into college on a scholarship they otherwise did not qualify for. And that college, by the way, gets federal money and federal money in Title IX and whatnot are allocated based on uh, spots available in sports and spots available in schools. So they're they're rigging the system. In ways that aren't allowed. Uh, it would be one thing if the daughter went in and said, you know what? Hey, I am on the crew team and was qualified and was able to get in. That's fine. Or to say, hey, I'm a legacy. My mom and my dad both went here. So you have to put me ahead of the pack. You know, schools have a right to preferentially treat people whose kids go to the same school that the parents went to. But bribery is wrong. Bribery is wrong. And when you are using your money as a parent to bribe someone to lie, 
uh, you are wrong. And I, I hope that's clear to everyone that you're paying someone money to lie. And that is wrong. Uh, it's wrong in all circumstances to pay someone money to lie. Um, and you shouldn't do it. And they got caught. And now they're going to be carted off to jail. That's the big differentiation. Now, I want to go to the Boeing situation. And to kick it off, uh, just to give you an idea of how big a news story this is, this is the opening segment on CNN this morning. We do have new information this morning. A growing number of airlines are grounding Boeing 737 MAX 8 after the deadly crash that killed all 157 people on board. At this point, the FAA is not telling U.S. carriers not to fly it. But they will, quote, continuously assess its safety as investigators try to figure out what caused the new plane to fall from the sky minutes after takeoff. It is unclear if there is a link between this crash and the Lion Air crash in Indonesia just a few months ago. We're also learning more about the victims. They include two brothers from California and 21 United Nations staffers who were on their way to an environmental conference. Now, what is left unsaid in a lot of the coverage is that pilots from third world countries increasingly lack the hours in the air that American pilots have. The Ethiopian Air co-pilot only had 200 hours of flight time, which is absurd um, when you think about the flight time that American pilots have thousands of hours before taking over a plane. We in this country tend to have a, a fairly direct link between pilots in the Air Force going into commercial aviation and being well paid to fly you across the country and around the world. Boeing came out with the 737 MAX 8, and one of the things they did is, and, and David Thornton, a commercial pilot who writes at theresurgent.com, uh, my site, actually put this up earlier today. You can go to the Resurgent and find the story. Uh, the engines on the Boeing 737 uh, MAX 8 are pushed forward slightly, but enough to affect the aerodynamics a little differently from your standard 737. Remember, the 737 is the most popular plane in the world. Almost every airliner in the in the world has 737s. Not all of them have the, the 8 MAX, however. In the past with Boeing jets, so when you stall a plane, you, you, when you stall a plane, you take off, if the plane's nose is too high, it interrupts the airflow over the wings and the plane dips and can crash. And Boeing has a, a computer program that if the plane gets, to, if the nose gets too high, the computer program takes over and, and dips the plane to prevent a stall. And in all the other Boeing planes, including all the other versions of the 737, if you maneuver the stick on the plane, it turns off that computer program. Boeing decided to do something different with the Max 8. And one of the reasons it decided to do something with the Max 8 that was different, they, they went from moving the stick to pushing a button. You push a button to turn it off. And the reason they did that is because of the decline of qualified pilots around the world, particularly in third world countries. They wanted to make it as easy as possible for someone with minimal experience to be able to fly a plane. Because this is the reality in third world countries now. There are plenty of countries in the world whose airlines aren't even qualified to fly into the United States. There's an Indonesian airliner, for example, that's not allowed to fly to the United States because the FAA won't certify that their pilots are safe. There are more and more airlines like this around the world where there's a shortage of qualified pilots. So basically they, they hire um, bus drivers to fly planes 
and Boeing and Airbus need to make it as easy as possible to fly those planes. One of the hard parts of flying a plane is takeoff and landing. And one of the hard parts of that is stalling the plane. The nose is up too high. The plane could crash. And so Boeing has made it very easy for the plane's computers to take over to prevent a stall. American pilots tend to instinctively know what to do. They're not going to stall the plane. The problem here is that Boeing handled the situation rather arrogantly. My understanding from this Dave Thornton piece and from reading other pieces is that when Boeing decided to change the 737 format from moving the stick on the plane to turn off the, the stall control computer to pushing a button, they never actually put that in the training manual. Yeah, let me say that again. Every other 737 out there, you move the stick to turn off the the, uh, stall avoidance computer system. And with this one, you push a button, but they forgot to put it in the training manual. American pilots tend to be trained so much and go through so many flight simulation programs, they know to turn off the button instead of handle the stick on the 737-8 MAX. That's why the FAA is not saying ground all these planes, because it's a matter of remembering to push the button instead of handling the stick. But other pilots around the world, the FAA can't vouch for them. And and clearly there are pilots who aren't getting the training and simulator time they need to be able to know that this is a problem. So they're grounding the planes and Boeing's going to have to go back through and make it more, more clarifying. And there's also a suggestion coming out this afternoon that maybe just maybe the Boeing computer program is overcompensating more than it should. That in and of itself is a problem. The reason the FAA, though, is not grounding 737-8 MAX planes in this country is that pilots in this country overwhelmingly come out of the Air Force or overwhelmingly trained in simulators and overwhelmingly have flight time in simulators before getting on any one of these planes. As a result, they know, even if it's not in the manual, that on this version of the plane, you push the button. In other parts of the world, that's not happening. So they're grounding the planes. But while there may have been pilot error in this, Boeing also made a big mistake Apparently, when it didn't put notice in the training manual that they were changing the format for deactivating the stall program, and that's going to come back to haunt them. I I have to tell you, we have pondered how to deal with the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez nonsense, and I think we finally figured it out, just using her actual words. The thing she says. And now, Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. This idea of like 10% better from garbage, it's like that shouldn't be what we settle for. It's like this like, it feels like moderate is not a stance It's just an attitude toward life, like, meh. That was Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Seriously, we, we, we wanted to figure out how can we capture the insanity of what she's saying. And we decided the best way is to actually just put her words up, what she actually says in the transcripts. And, and South by Southwest was the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, so we are pleased to introduce Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. 
uh, throughout this show, every day, we'll be playing you new deep thoughts by her because, you know, she is the voice. She is the face. She is the thought leader of the Democratic Party now. Democrats are having to push back on her because she's livid. They don't want to impeach the president. I'll give you an update on the Democrats' impeachment plans when we come back. Well, impeachment is collapsing as a means of motivating Democrats. Fascinating to watch. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. If you want to call and be a part of the program tonight, you can call 404-872-0750 or call 1-800-WSB-TALK. I, I want to play Adam Schiff. He is uh, the, the Democratic chairman now of the House Intelligence Committee, and he is really starting to have none of it on impeachment, and he's going along with Nancy Pelosi and others. Uh, what will be necessary to make an impeachment a bipartisan process would have to be extraordinarily uh, clear and compelling. Uh, I don't foreclose that the possibility that the Mueller investigation will produce that, or that our own will, but I think the speaker is absolutely right. In its absence, an impeachment becomes uh, a partisan exercise uh, doomed for failure. Doomed for failure, echoing Nancy Pelosi, who said this. You previously said you would want to wait for the Mueller report, but we're... Well, but that, if, if that is so conclusive that there's a bipartisanship, uh, that there's a message to the president, so be it. Nixon was not, and President Nixon was not impeached. The Republicans finally saw the light. It divides the country, unless there's some conclusive evidence that takes us to that place. Notice how they're starting to try to tamp down expectations. That's really what this is about. Behind the scenes, privately, the Democrats in Congress, despite a lot of their public protestations, have never really believed the Russia collusion story to the extent it was portrayed publicly. It it was amped up to fire up people for 2018. Well, 2018 came and went. They got most of what they wanted. They didn't take back the Senate. But they took back the House. They made strong gains in states. They made states like Georgia competitive. Well, one of the people who really helped them do that is a man named Tom Steyer. You, if you live in Georgia, know who Tom Steyer is, even if you don't know his name. Tom Steyer actually bragged in a Rolling Stone article that he hired people uh, who did not live in Georgia last year to call the Georgia legislature, not a year before last or so, and express outrage over the possibility of them passing the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Tom Steyer is an environmentalist, and he is one of two activists who worked very, very hard in Georgia to stop the Religious Freedom Restoration Act from passing, uh, paying people to essentially to come into the state and do that. Yeah, uh, Steyer was one of the two guys. Um, Steyer, in the last year, has been running TV ads, including on Fox News, demanding the impeachment of President Trump. In fact, Steyer funded millions of dollars to Democratic candidates around the country in the past year, demanding uh, that they support impeachment. And many of these people did go out of their way to say that they would support impeachment when they got Tom Steyer's money. 
And now the Democratic leadership in the House is having to rein him in. Now, for if, what is where Chuck Schumer has come out and said he's going to wait on the Mueller report before saying anything about impeachment. But Democrats in the House have for a year been playing at the Mueller report as the be-all end-all. They've been playing at the report as it was going to definitively prove the president colluded with the Russians. And they've known all along it wasn't. And now they're having to say, oh, well, you know, he, he's not going to be able to tell us everything. He's he, 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 he they were not honest with you. He did interview the president. It's it's not going to be the full thing. They've got to rein in the Democrats on impeachment and they've got to deal with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and, and uh, Representative Tlaib and Omar and, and the other new super progressive Democrats who have been demanding impeachment from day one not helping the Democratic cause on that front. And this could be a, a real fight breaking out within the Democratic Party for the heart and soul of the party. Now, I want to play you a Democratic strategist who was on Fox, and then we need to talk about Joe Biden. It all plays well together. First, listen to this. Last week, I wrote this for FoxNews.com about how the party being pulled to the left is is repeating what happened in 2016. We had the Bernie Sanders, Sanders are, you know, Bernie or bust exactly folks. Right. We had Bernie sitting there pouting. I was looking at him in Philly at the DNC <laughs> and all of his people, poor Bernie, he's not up there. I can't vote for Hillary. It split the party. What happened? Donald Trump became president. We're going to have a repeat of that in 2020. We have different players and it's going to come down to the AOC group and again, the Bernie supporters over perhaps it's Joe Biden supporters. Like and so so it, I do think that I, I, I worry that pulling the party too far left is going to alienate the moderate. Yeah, you know, there are more and more political strategists I'm seeing and political commentators I'm seeing online who are starting to say things like, I never thought Donald Trump could win reelection. And now I'm starting to think he's a lock on reelection because of the Democrats drag to pull to whatever you push to whatever you want to use uh, to the left. Uh, Joe Biden gave a speech today on the verge of announcing he's running for president. Listen to this. Mean pettiness has overtaken our politics. Sometimes it seems like we can't govern ourselves or even talk to one another. If you notice, I get criticized for saying anything nice about a Republican. Folks, that's not who we are. That's not how we got here. We have to remember what it is that makes this nation so special. It's our core values. It's what we believe. It sounds corny, but it's the American creed. I mean, for real. We hold these truths self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. We've never met the standard. There you go. Uh, Joe Biden signaling, essentially, he's going to be the adult in the room when it comes to the far left fringe now hijacking the Democratic Party. And this is going to be a fight for the heart and soul of the Democratic Party. And what's so interesting about it is I think you're going to see a divide in the American press corps, too, because many of the older members of the press agree with Joe Biden. They're not conservative. They're certainly liberal, but they're not as far out there as some of the others. And they're certainly not hostile to the idea of listening to the other side, even if they disagree. Younger reporters were finding more and more like the activist left have a real hard time dealing with anyone who disagrees with them on any issue, uh, can't honestly and accurately relate what the other side's issues are, what they care about, anything like that. And we're going to have this fight in the Democratic Party. The fight over impeachment boils over into the primaries. All of these Democratic senators who are running for president are going to have to go on record. Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders. Do you support impeaching the president or not? 
And some of them will say, I think, honestly, that uh, no, they don't. And they never really have. They just wanted it as a campaign issue. Now, they're not going to admit that part, but they'll just say no. They want to beat him at the ballot box. But then, I mean, Elizabeth Warren, who's who's been on the impeachment bandwagon for a while, is she really going to say, eh, nah, I don't really favor impeachment anymore. I just want to beat him. Because some of the younger Democrats who are most engaged want impeachment. They do not see the president as legitimate. They believed the propaganda from the Democrats that he really was a paid plant from Putin. And they want him out of there now. They want him out of there by non-democratic means. They want him out of there through the constitutional impeachment processes. And they're not going to be placated. Meanwhile, you've got a bunch of them coming after Joe Biden. Joe Biden, who is Barack Obama's vice president. What happens if Barack Obama gets involved for Joe Biden? You've already got Tlaib or whoever, one of them coming out attacking Barack Obama for bombing kids around the world. What happens when Barack Obama comes out and says, you know what? You guys really have lost your minds. we got to go with Joe. Do they turn on Barack Obama? It's going to be very, very hard for them to thread the needle headed into 2020. I have to tell you guys that I have used my Quip Electric Toothbrush for more than two years, so much so that I asked Quip, I sought them out and asked them if they would actually advertise on my radio show because I love them so much. And so now you listening to the podcast can get the ad as well because I really do like the Quip Electric Toothbrush. I've used it for about two years. The things I like about the Quip Electric Toothbrush are that it doesn't have a huge fat handle that makes it hard to hold. It's the size of a regular toothbrush. It doesn't have a charger that you have to carry with you when you travel. It works on a AAA battery, and every three months, they send you a new brush head. So the brush head stays fresh. Even though the body stays the same, you can get it in multiple colors. They send you a new AAA battery when they send you the brush head, and the brush heads are only 5 bucks. It's a great toothbrush. It is designed by dentists and designers together, and you can tell. That's why I love the Quip. They're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals, and they start at just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now, you'll get your first brush head refill pack for free with the Quip Electric Toothbrush. So you get your first refill pack for free by going to getquip.com slash Eric. That's getquip.com slash Eric. So the president has given an interview to Breitbart, a 40-minute interview, and uh, gives me a couple of shout-outs in his interview, uh, including um, pointing out that he and I spoke several weeks ago, and I told him I would be supporting him. So there you go. Uh, Yay me. Folks, can we spend a a few more moments on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? A website did a montage of some of her statements from South by Southwest, the the big conference down in Austin, Texas. And I just I want to play you this. Just just listen. It's worth it. This is the intellectual light of the Democratic Party now, designer of the Green New Deal. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> well, I think like, you know, or whatever, like, boom, like, <laughs> like whatever, um, you know, it's like, you know. Um, you know, you know, um, 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 like, like, um, like whatever, you know, and like, or whatever, like, just like, it's like, like, it's like this, like, 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 <laughs> well, don't, don't hold back. Tell me how you really feel about incrementalism <laughs> is like, like for what? I, 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 you get the point. 
this led us to decide that we need to we needed to take her actual statements and we need to put them in a segment so you can understand that this is the intellectual deep thinker of the Democratic Party. And we found that there was no better way for us to do that than to take her actual words and do this with them. And now, Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. But here in D.C., it's so weird. It's like everybody is like a spy. Like, it's so bizarre. It's like you could go out and get a cup of coffee. And the person that's like sitting at the table in the corner of the restaurant is like, you know, like, then they go and text all of their friends that they saw so-and-so at this cafe And it's like triangulation. It's super weird. It's just like super weird. That was Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Deep Thoughts by the deep thinker of the Democratic Party. circle back to the Boeing story real quick. The Washington Examiner reporting multiple pilots have filed logs uh, with a pilot database maintained by NASA, uh, lodging similar complaints with the Boeing 737-8 MAX in this country as in other countries. Two pilots in particular saying that when they engaged the autopilot shortly after takeoff, the nose of the plane uh, tipped down rapidly uh, for rapid descent, and they had to disengage autopilot and take the plane up to altitude. One of the pilots suggests it was the uh, airspeed indicator messing up the the sensor because they were flying through a storm. Uh, so it's happened in this country, but the pilots did know to turn off autopilot. It appears that the Lion Air and the Ethiopian Air planes did not. By the way, somebody uh, direct messaged me on Twitter and said they take issue with my, um, with my statement that third world countries have undertrained or, or not as qualified pilots. Uh, and that may be the case that they may have very qualified pilots in certain cases, but overall it actually is a problem. Uh, it is a problem international. Oh, what do they call it? The international pilots association, IPA. Um, that that's not an India pale ale. It's an international pilots association. Uh, there's a, uh, UN committee, and several others have all been issuing reports about the dire shortage of qualified pilots, particularly in third world countries, uh, that they are not as well trained, uh, that because uh, older pilots are retiring and younger pilots have not been involved in Air Force training and whatnot in some of these countries, that they don't have pilots who are as well qualified. This goes back, by the way, to the Malaysian air jet that disappeared, fell off radar, never to be found again, where younger pilots, uh, they were calling into question the training in those situations as well. So it is something we don't have to worry about that in this country. The Air Force and airlines actually work fairly well together to recruit pilots leaving the Air Force to go into commercial aviation. They pay them very well, and and we have a great safety record in this country. Now, let's switch gears again to talk about Tim Tebow. Not actually Tim Tebow, but the Tebow bill. 
It's in the Georgia legislature. Uh, the Tebow legislation. So when Tim Tebow was homeschooled in high school, he could participate in public school sporting activities because of a law that allowed him to do so. And Georgia is considering the same law. It would allow homeschool students in Georgia to participate in uh, theater, art, and sport programming at public high schools. If a student is a public school student and wants to go into homeschooling, they would have to sit out for a year. The reason is because homeschooling in Georgia is largely self-reported. Other states have certification requirements for homeschooling, and they don't want to be in a situation, public schools don't want to be in a situation where a student not making great grades, uh, disqualifying him for a sporting activity, suddenly decides to become a homeschooler, and the parents start reporting great grades. Uh, that That's a problem. Well, this issue actually has divided the homeschool community in Georgia pretty significantly. There are I'm actually kind of surprised by how vocal a number of homeschool groups are in the state of Georgia against this legislation. The homeschoolers who would benefit from it, a lot of them are against it. Not all of them, though. Some of them quite supportive, but a good many of them against it. So there is real fear among some homeschoolers. It is not shared by the major homeschool organizations in the state, you should know, and not not shared by a lot of the major homeschool advocates in the state, but I, I have heard from dozens and dozens and dozens. Uh, yes, so when I say dozens and dozens and dozens, I, I'm well past 40 different homeschool families who have emailed this show, tweeted to me, what have you. Uh, I, I've, I've had these conversations in church over the last couple of weeks. Here, so here's the concern from some of them is that homeschooling in Georgia is largely self-regulated. Uh, parents attest to their children's grades. You don't have to hand in a portfolio of the work done. You don't have to hand in lesson plans. You don't have to hand in anything like that. You just say, my kid did X, Y, and Z, and the state accepts it. In other states where the Tebow bill is in effect, uh, the parents have to actually submit documentation of what the kid covered, uh, examples of projects, things like that, portfolios, essentially. And what these homeschoolers are objecting to is they're afraid not this governor and not this legislature, but a future one could then make the argument that we need to regulate homeschools in Georgia further. That because we have kids who are playing on the field, who are homeschooled, and they don't have to live up to the same academic standards as the in-school participants, that we need to raise the standards through regulation of the homeschool community. Again, this is not an issue about the current homeschool environment in Georgia. This is not an issue about the current government in Georgia. This is people who are looking at the future in Georgia, getting a little bit skittish about uh, the the future takeover uh, by the Democrats if it should occur in Georgia. And they're worried about what a governor Stacey Abrams could do, who's not a big fan of homeschooling and whatnot. And then, of course, you, you do have the people who aren't big fans of the idea of homeschoolers being able to compete on the playing field with public schools. The argument from the homeschool associations that support this legislation is um, is that their kids are going to public school, they should be able to compete. Now, that being said, uh, the Georgia High School Sports Association, the GHSA, already governs everything, already oversees this, and, and that's why I support the Tebow legislation is I think it is good to integrate homeschool students into public school activities. The parents are still paying the taxes for the public schools. Even if their kids aren't getting the education in the public school, the parents are paying 
for that public school. They're paying for the facilities. They're paying for the football field. So you might as well integrate the homeschool kids into the programs. And in other states where we have this legislation, guess what? It actually works. It actually helps integrate families into society. It helps integrate students into athletic activities, and it helps build well-rounded communities. The homeschool kids and the public school kids get to know each other. They, they build bridges. They get to make friends. It, it can be considered a missional activity. I think it's a good idea. I hope the legislature will support it. You guys know that Fox website. It, it's the left-wing website that pretends to be somewhat mainstream, even though it's not. Uh, GE subsidizes it, among others. Uh, they have a piece up today. Let me just read you the, the headline. We need to talk about the ethics of having children in a warming climate. And of course, they rely on deep thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and ethicists who raise questions about procreation in the age of climate change that essentially maybe we shouldn't have kids anymore because it's going to be too difficult. What's so hilarious here is that one of the scare scenarios of the global warming crowd is that we as a species are going to exterminate ourselves because of global warming. And so now they're saying we should exterminate ourselves by not having kids. the, The logical fallacies just add up in this. But I've seen several people point out what's worth pondering. Every single one of us alive today is alive because someone who had a harder time on this planet had children. All of us can trace our lineages back to, well, a guy who got off a boat after a worldwide flood, but we don't even have to go back that far. Uh, There was plague, there was invasion, there was war, there was drought, there was famine, there was flood, there was fire, there was uh, massive disease, uh, starvation, you name it. Uh, It doesn't matter who you are. Your family came from a time where life was worse than now, and yet they still had kids. Uh, Really arrogant to suddenly all of a sudden say, hey, maybe we shouldn't bring kids into this world because life is hard. Not nearly as hard as it was 200 years ago, people.